0: back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year in Gold State. DeRozan right to the hall. He ties the game at 98. has got 20 to leave away for the Spurs. Got to make him make that shot from the outside. DeRozan pulls up from the elbow. Got it. Timeout. Golden State Spurs lead by two. Inbound to Green. Going quickly. Skips it in a quarter. Robinson nearly lost it. Pulls away from all.
1: Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See Grant, What's good? Episode 61, Views from the Clutch. We here now. Yes, sir. We here now. We are here now. We are here now. As always, big time thank you to our subscribers, listeners, and supporters. If you would like to join the wave, you can do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms where we can be found. You can also send us a message directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media via Views from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, I got some attractions to make, bro. So before we even get into it, um, I think it's episode 60. We uh, hypothesized as to whether or not Memphis can hold water for that eighth spot before we get cracking, you wanna um, you wanna roll that back, or do you think it's still likely that Memphis doesn't hold it? No, I
0: think I said I think Memphis. Well,
1: did I say Memphis wasn't gonna hold it? Uh, I think we both kind of agreed that you know, based on the strength of schedule and New Orleans and so on and so forth, that like it's right for New Orleans to take. So I'm not gonna back off of that. I still do think with the amount of games they have left and the type of competition, both teams have to face that new Orleans has a better opportunity to keep it. But considering Memphis came out and fought like dogs against the Lakers and one, I do see that they have some resiliency and it might really go down to the wire. This might be one of those situations where we're in the final day of the season, watching scores to figure out who's going to play the number one seed in the West. Um, What's going on out east, man? It's just straight Jambalaya. Once you get past the the Raptors and um the Raptors, who's number two right now? The Raptors, Boston. No Raptors. The Raptors are two. It's, it's yeah. no. It's well, the, I mean, the order is irrelevant. It's the top three. So it's Milwaukee Raptors, Celtics, and Celtics. Yeah. So you know, once you get beyond those three guys, I, I really have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know. If Philadelphia is going to randomly figure it out, I mean, the odds aren't really in their favor considering both of their key players are hurt. But Indiana and Oladipo just don't seem all the way in sync yet with this style of play that they play. I mean, the other guys are looking, you know, as good as they always have, as steady. Brogdon, Miles Turner, Sabonis is having a great year. But I, I really don't know. I can't really put my finger on what's supposed to be the right energy right now. And I think that's a good thing for the NBA. The fact that everything is kind of up in the air is adding a little bit more spice and intrigue to a regular season that, you know... In the past, the regular season has just been about who's going to match up and avoid the Warriors, who's going to match up to avoid LeBron. And I think this year, it's, it's really interesting to see where a lot of these teams are going to actually land come playoff time. Um, what else did I want to discuss? So... Recently, the Lakers released somebody, uh, Troy Daniels, who I'd almost forgotten was on the team. And apparently that roster spot is up in the air for the likes of a possible bringing in of Deion Waiters.
0: Yeah, or or J.R. Smith.
1: J.R. Smith is in the conversation now? Yeah, I think so. I think I just saw
0: that uh, maybe about an hour ago or something like that. A rumor. Mm. But it's rumored. I mean, I don't think they've confirmed... Uh, let me say this. The rumblings on Dion Wade is, I think, is stronger than J.R. Smith.
1: So I was hoping that the rumblings would point them back towards possibly being able to bring DeMarcus Cousins back. But we may genuinely be in for DeMarcus Cousins not being on the roster at the end of the season when the impression was throughout... Most of the season that he was fighting his way to get back. Now, obviously, the odds were against him, and he's already come back from major injuries too fast on multiple occasions. Or well, I don't even want to say too fast, but he came back quickly, and things didn't work out well for him. So, I was thinking this could be another situation where you know the only person who could really tell tell him not to throw caution to the wind is himself, because honestly, he's the person who knows his body. And if the doctors clear him medically, then you kind of got to give him that shot. But I'm just thinking maybe that a franchise may not want to invest in that risk. I don't know, man. I don't know. I definitely would like to see Boogie back on the court if he's able to contribute, but I want to see him at his best. So
0: Yeah, and the reality, I'm not going to lie, the reality is um, I don't know what team
1: is going to necessarily
0: pick him up and then figure out what exactly they're going to do with him. Agreed. You know, because it's kind of like, you don't know the health. The health is the biggest thing with Boogie. I mean, if he's not healthy,
1: what? why keep him on the roster? And you're just wasting the spot. Agreed. But they you know, also were facilitating his rehabilitation. And I believe he still has access to the facility. So it's not like the Lakers threw him out.
0: Yeah, I heard something like that. that and I yeah, I was going, he
1: was still, he got released on like a Friday and... That Tuesday, he was still on the Lakers facility doing his rehab. So it's not like they put him out on the curb. I just think that they say, you know, for the sake of us pushing for the postseason, what we're going to do is put our all on players that are healthy. And if the opportunity allows us to make room for you come postseason time, then we'll do so. And, you know, hopefully if that's the agreement that they have in place, it works out well for Boogie. But considering that right now they're looking to take on healthy guys – if I had to choose between J.R. Smith and um, and Deion Waiters, I don't know. I think both of them have played with LeBron at one time or another, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, def- definitely Jr. obviously, because junior didn't want to ship together.
1: But Deion was in Cleveland. He was a part of that backcourt when it was Kyrie, Deion, because that's where he originally got drafted. And I don't know if – yeah, because that's the return trip. And then I think somehow, some way, Dion wound up... That's when things started to spiral for him. I think he got shipped to Oklahoma City. I don't remember yeah. how he got there or whatever the case may be. But I don't know if Deion Waiters and LeBron James ever shared the court for the same franchise at the same time. I'm not sure. Uh, but
0: I would say no, only because I don't remember either. We're
1: we going to have to look it up. Look it up. I got my computer. I'm right Right. Yeah, over, I'm looking so. up
0: Deion Waiters right now. He played from 2013...
1: I mean, 2012
0: to 2014, 2015. He was traded, like, I guess, like the halfway point. No, no, I'm sorry. He was... um, That's weird. Uh, 2014, 2015 season. He did play with LeBron. That's what you're saying? Because LeBron... You look at LeBron stuff now?
1: Yeah, there's an article. Deion Waiters begs LeBron James for the ball. LeBron ignores him. And this is an article from... Uh, <laughs> That just sound crazy. It's in a bleach report. Um
0: uh fourteen. I mean, yeah, but he must have been, he was shipped out that same year. 2014. 2015, 2014 yeah, he's he was traded. He, so basically they played about 30, 33 games. Deion Wade has played for Cleveland thirty three games that season.
1: That they still went to the finals.
0: So, yeah, so basically that LeBron season, 2014-2015 season. So, they, yeah, they played together for, I guess, all about 33 games or so.
1: And he got shipped to Oklahoma City, and I just wonder what the hell did Cleveland get in return for him when they got rid of him.
0: I'm on the look right now. Drafted. Uh, as a part- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three-team trade. This is what brought Shumpert and – um. Shumpert and J.L. Smith to the, to, to uh, Cleveland. So, basically, it's part of the three-team trade by Cleveland to Oklahoma City. The Cleveland Cavaliers traded uh, Lou Armiston, Lou Alex Kirk, a 2019 second-round pick to the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks traded Mar and J.L. Smith to Cleveland. Oklahoma City traded... Uh, Oklahoma City got... Uh, first round pick, and Lance Thomas went to the Knicks. So yeah, he was um he was he got traded there. It's a part so, of three chain so, trade.
1: So who did Oklahoma City actually send out from their roster? Oklahoma City got Deion Waiters, <clears throat> but wh- what physical body did they send out? Sam Presti is the man. He got a two hundred. He got a twenty nineteen second round pick. They just used it. They just used yeah, it. Yeah,
0: he traded a first-round pick, and they traded Lance Thomas to the Knicks.
1: Ah, so that's how Lance Thomas found his way to New York. Yeah, I was wondering, too. He was a gift from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I'm just going to say this to all the fans out there listening. If you heard your team just did business with the Oklahoma City Thunder, be very afraid. If it was a trade, Be very afraid because Sam just seems to... (laughs) Now, mind you, he has whiffed on a couple of acquisitions. He let Victor Oladipo go. Now, obviously, what what did he get in return for Victor Oladipo? I think he got Paul George or... Mm. I don't know if that was a trade. No, it was a trade. Yeah, they had to trade him. Paul George wasn't a free agent until he re-signed with Oklahoma City. So, yeah, Oladipo for for Paul George, that's fair, but long term now the team, now the is still with that team Yeah, because it
0: was Sabonis and Oladipo that went to Indiana
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know if Presti would have known what to do with that if he had kept um, Sabonis anyway, so everything worked out for the better for almost all the players involved. Yeah, because they had Steve Adams too so, yeah
0: so they, and they stay high, they're
1: high on Steve Adams so I'm high on Steven Adams. I think Steven Adams is dope man. Like, I love watching him play. It's just that brute energy that you t- you know you go to the park you see that dude six foot eight look like he domestic violence on his girl every day, and then he get on the court and want to take crossover dribbles and be a guard. Steven Adams ain't with none of that. He wants all the smoke in the paint. He all the way with it, so those guys are rare, few and far between in today's NBA. Throwback guys. He's not even from this country, so he's got a he's got a lunch pail mentality that's like kind of refreshing. So I enjoy watching him play. I think that uh he accelerated his development a lot learning how to play with Westbrook because Westbrook is one of those in case of emergency pass guys. Now Westbrook can play make and he can create for other people. He does do that not taking that away from him, but there are like five or six guys every year in the league who have what I call the Iverson button. LeBron uses it every now and then, but he's just a more accurate passer, so we don't really see what's playing out. He did it a couple times last night against New Orleans. He got himself in the air, realized, hey, yo, I'm not ready for what I'm about to do, and it either became a turnover or it became a pass that got intercepted. So a lot of great players have that, but, like, Russell Westbrook goes to the Iverson button a lot more often than <laughs> than most point guards in the league do. He'll go jumping in the air, he'll be suspended in animation, something crazy, realize that he can't get a shot off, or if he does, it's probably gonna get sent to the moon. And then he passes it to some guy who's totally unprepared and it goes flying out of bounds or the pass goes over their head or something like that. That's what I call the Iverson button. But um Yeah, I don't I I I don't see any type of workout Deion Waiters could have with the Lakers. Now, mind you, Rob Palenka was once his agent, so maybe that's a favor. But um, I just worry for what he could possibly be bringing to the table to that team. Like, I don't know if he's a I don't know if he's a run the offense, second unit type of guy that, that you will want, especially with the ascension of Alex Caruso on that roster. Like Alex Caruso has proven himself to be the secret weapon. His plus minus with LeBron is the best on any of any combination on that team. Better than him and Anthony Davis. Better than him with anybody else. And in contrast, the player with the worst plus minus on that team is Rajon Rondo. So the, 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 the proof is in the pudding. You got to lower Rondo's court time, you got to raise Caruso's, and you probably get a better on-court product. Caruso has definitely shown a lot of progress, leaps and bounds. Mind you, I get it. He's he's a guy who's in the G League, so on and so forth. But every roster needs one of those guys that come from nowhere. Like, a couple years ago, nobody was ready to say Fred VanVleet is that dude. Now, talk crazy about Freddy if you want. Yeah, now he about to get a bag this summer. You hear what I'm saying? You know, a couple years ago, Pascal who? Guys named Pascal don't play basketball. Siakam. So there's, there's, there's always going to be those dominant in the rough. We didn't see them coming. Players who could play. And they're usually a part of every championship roster. Like, you know, you, you, you got you to gotta make room for a guy that wasn't always highly touted. And it's not like Caruso went to a bad school. He went to Texas A&M. It's a D1 school. He did well while he was in school. He developed through, the, through the, the Lakers G League system. So he's inbred talent. And considering how much in-house talent they had to give away or to trade just to bring Anthony Davis in, I think it's an incentive to keep a guy that you, you built into your system in there. And the fact that he's flourishing and playing well, it only bodes well for them. Let's talk about Milwaukee and... Have you been watching them? Do you feel they're beatable?
0: Uh, I feel like they can get to the finals um now, can they win the whole championship uh, I don't know. I haven't watched enough of them. I just know they're very they're very tall and they i think the biggest one of my one of the issues I have with the um with the Milwaukee is Eric Bledsoe. I feel like Eric Bledsoe is going to be, going to let them down, man. It just, to me, just doesn't, doesn't strike me as a person that's going to produce in the playoffs. And I feel like he's going to be the reason why they mess up. Like just for some reason. I don't know. I just, I just feel so, I feel something strange about Eric Bledsoe. I just don't, he just doesn't strike me as the person that's going to get it done for them. Mm. Um, but they do have the Lopez twins that are playing phenomenal. Giannis is playing, obviously, phenomenal. Middleton is just that he scores and he's, he shoots and he's very efficient, you know, and I mean, like I just I don't know what it is. It's something about Milwaukee that I feel a little off about. I just can't put my finger on what. But I really feel like they'll get to the finals. I just don't feel like they'll win the championship, mm-hmm. you know. And I definitely feel like if they don't win a championship, I think Giannis is gone. Um, I don't know. We can get to that and extend that conversation longer. But how do you feel? I just, something about Milwaukee, man. I just, I feel like they can get to the finals, but I feel like they're not going to win it.
1: I think them redeploying the same exact scheme that got them as far as it did last year and still being able to execute it with the same the same enthusiasm and the same commitment is is a great testament to their coaching and that everybody is bought in. I think that's dope, but I also feel like that same defensive scheme is going to come back to really tear them apart come playoff time. And here's the thing about their scheme. They give up nothing in the paint absolutely nothing. Their whole entire defense is inclined to steer you into bigs that will either make you take a really difficult contested shot or send your shot back back at you via a shot block. Mm -hmm. They give up a lot of threes because of this. They also induce you to take a lot of mid-range jump shots. The two shots that kill you the most in the playoffs are what? The mid-range and the three. And the teams that they'll be playing in the East live off mid-range in the three. So you tell me for seven games, Brad Stevens gets to cook up a scheme that allows Jason Tatum to have his way in the mid-range. Also take threes, not worry about rebounding because they're clearly not going to be crashing the boards against the Bucs. Nobody does. And then wall up against Giannis when he gets a live dribble so that Giannis has to make six or seven steps of miraculousness just to score those 40 and 20 games that he's having. I just really feel like what's happened with the Milwaukee Bucks is that no one is taking the energy to dedicate their game plan to actually beating them. They just go out there with their team system and try to win because it doesn't benefit anybody to expose a team that good so early in the season so that they can adjust. But mind you, this is the same Milwaukee style they had last year. They didn't give up a lot of points in the paint. They induced you to take a lot of threes. They were subreddit to players who had good mid-range games beating them. And if you were able to make Giannis 20% less effective than what he is on a normal game, they were beatable. And like you said, once you take away one guy, the MVP of the league's effectiveness to that extent, you put the onus on the other guys to step up. Brooke Lopez has not been having a great shooting season like he had last year when he was a revelation from the three-point line. He's mm-hmm. having an okay three-point shooting season. His brother is taking threes. That's cute, but come playoff time, that's do you, really you want want. those? Right. You don't want those gorillas out there taking long-range bombs. Then you got Chris Middleton, who is a bad crossover away from losing an ankle and, you know, possibly being hurt. And who else do you have on the wings? You got DeFazio. You got Connaughton, who basically just declared attendance at the All-Star game for the dunk contest. I don't know if he actually did a dunk worth remembering. Not to say that that matters on his level of on-court skill, but the point is Pat Connaughton is not known as a heavy-duty contributor. Um, and like you said, pointing to what could be their Achilles heel. This is the thing that's plagued me. Did you know Eric Bledsoe was all-team defense? First team? Yo, that, that, I couldn't understand that.
0: And the reason why I couldn't understand that was because I felt like I didn't feel like he was
1: stopping people. I always felt I'm always like- sorry. If you recall your most recent Eric Bledsoe memory, it's the night that he made Terry Rozier get paid. That's what I'm saying. In the playoffs, for the money. Again, regular season basketball, lean the league in steals, this, that, and the third. Everybody said that. Remember Allen Iverson led the league in steals like three years in a row? Mm-hmm. But what they say about him, he's not a good defender. Can't stop anybody. He just, he's just a menace in the passing lanes. So Eric Bledsoe, one of the Steel's leaders, menace in the passing lanes. Quicker than everybody. You underestimate him. He's, he, he's six feet-ish. Doesn't look like he moves as quick as he does. He jumps the gap and gets a few steals a game, and now he's all-team defense. But who is really locking guys up? Do you want Eric Bledsoe, or do you want Pat Beverly that's, the what of your defense. that's what I'm saying. And Pat but didn't make any of those defensive teams even better. You want Eric Bledsoe or you want Avery Bradley who's got proven playoff pedigree against top-tier wingmen in the league willing to guard anybody from one to three. If you dribble, Avery Bradley will go out there and guard you. Versus a guy who can lay off his man and get a few steals a game, but is not actually known for stopping anyone. I don't know. I really, I really don't know. Listen, I don't want to be the one to advocate Giannis leaving town. If they're not able to win. I think that that would really set Milwaukee back. Obviously, anytime you, you lose a player like that, it's a setback to the franchise, a setback to the city. And I don't think it's something that they would be able to recover from because they literally go from, being the number one seed in the league to instant lottery with the roster that they will wind up being stuck keeping. Now you got to find somebody to take Chris Middleton. You cannot keep Chris Middleton with no Giannis. It makes no sense whatsoever. You got to find a way to flip him. And once you start flipping guys who are on bad contracts on your roster, what does that mean? You got to take another bad contract back, but that bad contract you hope is just a shorter term from the one that you send it out. And you might have to give up a draft pick to do it. So now, the assets that you need the most to rebuild, you don't even have available to you if Giannis decides to bolt town. Mm-hmm. Now, the type of character that Giannis has shown over the course, of, the course of his career, I find it hard to believe that he would just, you know, step out and definitely not to some of the franchises that people have pointed to. I think, I don't think he's light-skinned enough to go to Golden State. <laughs> I just don't. Like, there's a certain level of light skin you got to be to be like, nah, I'm going to join him. You know what I'm saying? Yo, like, that's hilarious. And, and, and that's just the reality. I don't even think people are recruiting him because, honestly, he's not even a good fit in Golden State. All right, Giannis, you going to come here. We're going to make you play the five. What? I don't want to play the five. I want to be a four-man that dribble. Do something with Draymond. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. You still guard the five, though. There's a thing in the NBA about guys not wanting to guard the five-man when there's only like three or four five-men left to guard. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So I guess those nights where Brooke Lopez is getting abused by Embiid, you feel better because you get to go at whoever they're trotting out at the four. Anthony Davis, same thing. Nah, I don't want to be a small ball five. Well, you're actually big enough to be a legitimate five. Bob McAdoo played the five. He was six, eight and a half. P.J. Tucker's playing the five. He's 6'4 and a half, 6'6". Six, six. Mm-hmm. Covington's playing the five. He's not even 6'8". It's a position in the era of positionless basketball. Listen, here's the reality. If a guy's bigger than you, smarter than you, stronger than you, and able to post up better than you, he gonna work you down there. Don't matter what position you play, because ask my man Kyle Kuzma what it felt like to have Zion introduce him to bully ball. Ask Dwight Howard, who was the guy who came into the league making everybody else look foolish because he was so strong and athletic, being made foolish playing against Zion Williamson because that's just the reality of the league. Players are going to come along that are going to be better than you at something. That's the greatness of the game, your ability to to adjust to what your opponent does well and to neutralize it. So these players that use a position – in an era of positionless basketball, to hide from challenges is really disturbing. Now, I can't say that for a fact with Giannis. I can't say I've ever heard him say he doesn't want to play the five. Maybe that's just Milwaukee being strategic. I think that's what a lot of teams do. I mean, why take the
0: extra? Why, why have your, your teammate or your best player guard somebody that's also all going to do is try to bruise you? You know, seven foot tall. Two hundred
1: and fifty pounds or so. Okay. Okay. So let's. Okay. So so now let's confront your theory. Let's confront your theory. Let's say tomorrow, Coach Bud Budenholzer decides. You know Mm -hmm. what? I'm going Rockets. I'm going with the best five offensive players I got. So I'm gonna run Giannis at the five, Bledsoe at the one, Chris at the three. Um, see, they don't even got no more floor space. I'm gonna run Chris at the four, and I'm gonna put. And I'm going to put one of my other shooters, like Wesley Matthews, who started the tour, out there. You could put
0: the – actually, they're playing Miami right now, and the lineup they have right now is um, Covington – what was his name? DiVincenzo, what's his name?
1: Covington. Yeah,
0: Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, DiVincenzo. They got George Hill,
1: Giannis, and Wes Matthews. All right, so let's, let's do it, that way. Got right now. Let's do it that way right now. Let's do it that way right now. But now in the playoffs, let's say they decide to deploy a lineup of Bledsoe, Hill at the two because he's six three and willing to guard anybody. Uh-huh. Middleton at the, I mean, Wesley so, at the three, Wesley yeah. at the three, Middleton at the four, and Giannis at the five. Yep. Now, mind you, with the bigs, they were blowing teams out the water. What do they do with that team with that much speed and quickness? With Giannis going at whoever the other team's five is going to be. Obviously, against a team like Miami, it's kind of neutralized because I'm never going to say that Bam can't do anything. That boy, he's special. I don't know if he'll last his whole entire career as a true five, but he's special. His, the level of versatility and athleticism that he has right now, he's special. I think he's somebody who would give Giannis a problem over a seven-game series if that was his matchup every night.
0: Wait, who's that?
1: Bam out of bio.
0: Oh, this this Miami game right now is pretty pretty intense. They just they just um Miami's up ninety four to seventy nine. I don't I think it's in the third quarter. It has to be a Miami Heat home game. It is of course of course it's fourth quarter. It's actually fourth quarter. No, of course I'm, I'm I'm listen. Jimmy Butler is denying the the post pass, and he is diving on the floor. You know, so yeah he's he's definitely doing what he can um see the but that's another thing too, as I'm watching this um the box, that's the problem with their shooters. if those guys start missing they're they don't have a alternate game plan,
1: yeah, you know? like George Hill's not gonna pump fake three dribbles, finish hard at the basket, no chris they say they were Chris Middleton now Bledsoe used to try and do that stuff back when he was trying to earn his way when he was on the Clippers and a little bit more when he was on the Suns but since he's come to Milwaukee I, I don't even know if I've seen him attempt a layup that wasn't a fast break
0: No, so he's not getting he's past not, nobody
1: he's not a basket driver um, DeFascenzo he gets a little kinky I, I gotta mm-hmm. give him his credit he's always been a little herky-jerky player since he was at Villanova yeah, I've, yeah. Always liked his, I've always liked his game Connaughton from what I heard he, he used to be a pitcher for Notre Dame so I even totally forgot. He went, to, he went to Notre Dame when my daughter did, and I don't recall ever seeing him in a basketball game. But I do know that he has, like, a 90-mile-per-hour fastball and was eligible that, in the Major how, League, how, major league, league the highest, Baseball so draft. How's,
0: how's that going to help him on the basketball court, though?
1: I don't know. Maybe he can wing an outlet pass at a speed that nobody's anticipating and get a few layups every game. <laughs> say. I, but I, I'm know, just trying to throw that usable skill out there because I'm definitely not going to refer back to his random dunking. Mind you, if you're not paying attention on the box out – Connaughton will dunk it on your head. I'll give him that credit. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, him, I've, seen him, I've seen him catch quite a few people slipping like that. And then when they look up and, you know, they see saltine crackers above them, they get a little frustrated like, what? How'd he get up there? Yeah, I need him tested, just like Bradley Bill got tested, man. <laughs> you heard about that, mm-hmm. right? Bradley Bill yeah, dropped yeah. back to back and then they immediately was like, we're going to do a sample. Come piss on this cup.
0: Exactly, and then he finished the, the third game with thirty. They were, they were running boxing ones on him Yeah, it's crazy. Wait. But no, I'm just, like I said, as I'm watching this Milwaukee game, like I said, if the jump shots are not falling, because at some point you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna collapse your uh, defense to help with Giannis on his drives, and if that Milwaukee team is not hitting their jump shots when he kicks it out, they're in a, they're in
1: a world of trouble. And mind you, oh, my God, Drogic just absolutely took George Hill out. Yeah, I saw that. He needed him Did straight. they call an offensive foul?
0: No. They was... called a foul on George Hill? No, they didn't call it no foul at all. It was just a regular missed shot.
1: Oh, my God, that's egregious. Here's the thing. Milwaukee is facing a team in Miami who has some of the best three-point defense in the league. They get out there on shooters. So you get a team that says, all right, Y'all going to have to score 85 points in the paint with y'all bigs to beat us. And look yeah. at what's happening. Milwaukee's only got 79 points with four minutes to go. Exactly. If they, don't, if, if they don't shoot your lights out, you can stay close with them. But a lot of teams just aren't committed to playing that level of three-point defense. So you, you have situations like this where they can run gimmick defenses, with, which is what Miami is doing right now, because that was a zone. Mm-hmm. And, and you can keep them out. Oh, Giannis isn't playing? No, no, he, he's on the bench right now.
0: Oh, but, that, but see, that's the thing, too. I'm watching all of this, and the way Miami is collapsing the defense. Oh, what a surprise. Team, Jimmy Butler just scored from the right side of the basket. But, but see, but now I'm watching this Miami game. Well, they, they've already conceded. My, uh, Milwaukee's conceded this game already because they took Giannis out and they took Middleton out. They're not expecting to come back. Sixteen down sixteen with three minutes, three minutes to go. Yeah. So they're putting a bunch of bench guys in that that's not even in the programs yet.
1: You yeah, know? I see see um, what they're doing to Giannis? They're doing, they're giving them the wall. After yeah. the first dribble, there's two immediate helps. Exactly. But now when you take it out to the three-point line and you drive. And if those guys can't
0: hit their jumpers, then that defense is always going to work against Giannis. Mm-hmm. So And this is what Miami's doing. That's the thing about Miami, where if Miami stays in that fourth seed, they would end up playing Milwaukee in the second round. If, you know, let's just say they get through, everybody gets, you know, say if Milwaukee and Miami get through, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if if Miami wouldn't beat them. You know what I mean? Or it's at least seven games. I could definitely see that.
1: Um, We're in in an era of a team is going to win 60-plus games and look as vulnerable as the AC, if the right matchup comes their way. Of course. And I don't think we felt that when Golden State won 73 games. We didn't feel like – we felt like they were going to steamroll their way to the finals, and then when they went three up on Cleveland, it was like, oh, well, everything's going the way it's supposed to. Uh And then, then, you know, Draymond and the meltdown happened. But long story short, the point being, I I just don't see that luster on them that you would – normally be used to seeing on teams who sometimes finish the regular season with lesser wins than what Milwaukee's going to have. Like this is a dominant historical level regular season that they're having, Uh but it's not a dominant historical level team that we're watching do it. And and that's right. And that's frightening because this goes back to the indictment that some fans have on the regular season. When a team like Milwaukee doesn't make it to the finals, doesn't that help invalidate the regular season to some extent? They won all these games, and they can't even prove that they're the number one team in their conference. Uh-huh. And, they, and they will have done it two years in a row if they don't get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. That's, that's scary. That's a scary sentiment. And then it's a further indictment on Coach Budaholzer. Because, yeah, you coached up Atlanta and got them to have, you know, one of the best seasons they had in a long time, and then they flamed out. Now, y'all flamed out to LeBron. So, you know, everybody who loses to LeBron gets a pass except for Uh Dwayne Casey. But now there's no LeBron in your conference. You lost to Kawhi last year. Okay, fair excuse. Obviously, one of the most, you know, one of the best players in the league, having one of the best postseasons that have been had in a long time. Fine. This year, what's your excuse going to be? You're not going to have one. Heads are going to roll. Heads are going to roll. If Milwaukee does not make it to the finals, somebody has to get fired. Mm-hmm. And you probably can't fire somebody until you get a yes or no on what Giannis is going to do with his extension.
0: Exactly.
1: Because they're going to ask him, and I don't even think his extension is up after. When is his extension no,
0: available? No, he's, he's a, available to sign it this summer. Okay.
1: So, yeah, that's,
0: they're on the clock. That's what, that's what everybody's saying. It's like, okay, there could be a chance that he can um, be out because if that doesn't work out for him, he's um, He's done. Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee's in trouble. But I'm, I'm like I said, as I'm watching this game, like I said, granted, the Knicks beat beat the Houston Rockets. Thank God for that because the Knicks was up by 21 and they only ended up winning the game by two because Russell Westbrook missed a uh, free throw, a free throw uh, shot shot at the free throw line. I rolled out at the buzzer, so mm. you know. But again, um, the thing with Milwaukee as I'm continue to watch this game and they're showing some of the replays. Yeah, if those jump shooters can't hit, they're gonna be in for a long series. And I don't know. I don't see. You know, it's it's these guys with the playoffs time come. It, the playoffs crank up another notch, and Milwaukee doesn't have. Giannis is, to me is the only dog on that team. Where a team like Miami, all these guys are scrappers. You know what I mean? Like everybody mm-hmm. wants. It's that Jimmy Butler effect. Like Jimmy. Where's Tyler Butler, Hero? Is he hurt? I think he's still hurt. I thought he.
1: I thought he. I never up, knew when he got hurt.
0: I thought he messed up a hamstring. I thought they said a couple of weeks ago, like before the All Star break. Nah,
1: I hadn't seen him before that. It just seems like oh, I thought Duncan. That. Wow. I felt like Duncan Robinson just was like, "Yo, listen, I'm gonna be the token white boy. You just gonna have to relax, young boy. Just go go back in the rookie seat. I fought here from the G League. This is my year. Now, mind you, Duncan Robinson has earned his papers because he's one of the top mm-hmm. three point shooters in the league, and he's been consistent. But I just felt like Tyler Hero brought another element to that second unit that really made them an offensive threat just as much as they were good on defense. So yeah. it, I, I wonder what happened with him. I hope he's okay. I'm not going to take the time out to research it. If you can real quick to find out what the status on Tyler Hero is. He's, did, that... he's definitely
0: in his suit, though, right now. I'm, they show him on the sideline. Rope. They just showed him on the sideline. He's definitely in his suit right now. So They just ran um. a three-man weave. But the crazy part about it, this is one thing about Miami that I don't like what they do. And Miami's been doing this for a while. They keep their starters in too long. Like, the game's already decided. Get your starters out of there. Live to fight. Enough, you know, you got guys that's going to end up hopefully not hurting themselves, but you don't need to be playing Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebayo, Drogic, you know. You don't need to be playing those guys right now. There's
1: 30 seconds left in the game. And you, got guys, and you got guys sitting, waiting to come in. Call a timeout. Yeah, you, you got two timeouts out. with a minute left. Call a timeout. Get your starters out. A lot of fans to cheer for them. And it's these goof plays, like you just said. Here's Bam Adebayo trying to split a double team. Rotate the butler on the right wing. If it's on the right-hand side, Jimmy Butler's odds are going in a 50-50, man. Jesus, man. How can I know where he's going to score from in NBA teams? Oh, my God. See, Adebayo just tried to kill himself for a block under a Mm -hmm. minute to go has he gotten up yet
0: now he's up he's walking on the bench but that's the thing uh they said he suffered an ankle injury back in february he's been out since okay uh beginning february so yeah so again but yeah see that's what i'm saying miami's always been they 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 do these weird things like even when lebron was playing with them they used to always keep those those are they're, they're starting five, for the Tiberio style. Yeah, so it's like, nah, don't burn these guys out.
1: The and now they're subbing them all in for a meaningless possession with yeah. 20, 22 seconds to go.
0: Yeah, what's the point? And I wonder what. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But you know, what, what do I know? But right? Miami,
1: but Miami's a different franchise. The whole low mm-hmm. management, muscle, fat, and like you know, Pat Riley. He kind, he's kind of got like a, a military style regimen for players who play for his team so those guys know what they signed up for and I think it shows because a lot of the guys on their team who played there for extended periods wind up having nagging injuries like Drogic hasn't been healthy for a full season since like maybe his first or second season in Miami Mm -hmm. because it's just certain styles of play that are built to break you down even yeah. Nunn had some injuries this year as, you know, his first play, his first uh-huh. full season in the NBA. Obviously, he did G League time last year. But I think everybody on that team, I mean, remember, uh, Winslow, I don't think he ever had a healthy season while he was there. Nope. Um, I don't know if Derrick Jones Jr. played today, but I know he had, he had injury times. Like Everybody who plays for Miami winds up, that effort level is going to lead to you putting your body at risk at a, at a higher frequency yeah, I would. I, um, I, again. Wow, you see how much taller Brooke Lopez is than Bam? Yeah, you standing up next to this man and he whispering in your ear, and Brook Lopez is a whole seven one. That means Adebayo was like six nine and a half. Oh yeah, easily. I, I
0: thought he was six, six, 10, six,
1: six ten, six eleven. No, no. Oh no, I thought
0: they said it's six eight, but I could be wrong.
1: If Bam is six eight, then oh my goodness, that's even more amazing what he's out there doing.
0: Yeah, he's crazy. He's, I mean. But I read get- up
1: on Bam. I read up on his story. I read up on um on his pursuit of where he's gotten himself to, and it's a, it's a very inspirational story. He's real close to his mom's. A lot of what he does is dedicated to his mom. He doesn't really do much for himself because he grew up in a trailer. So
0: mm. fighting his
1: way out of the trailer is what fueled him to become the Bam out of Bayou that we, we've come to know and appreciate. So kudos to him. Kudos to all players who who rise above, you know, less than favorable circumstances to to achieve their dreams or even to achieve their goals. Because he even said it; he wasn't a basketball kid. That's crazy. But, you know, the game finds the ones that it needs and it brings greatness to him. Uh Obviously, he was endowed with some, some, some great tools and it was good to see him develop because I remember the hype or what Miami fans would say, like, yo, man, if we could just find Bam more playing time. I'm like... Y'all got Hassan Whiteside. They be like, "Y'all, yeah, y'all understand. Hassan Whiteside don't even want to beat it. But I mean, but he's still Hassan Whiteside. You're talking about a top ten center. He's averaging leading the league in blocks. He's always top ten in rebounds. He just wants y'all to give him the ball a little more. That was my perspective because I wasn't really watching. Mm-hmm. And now seeing Bam in his full season with no with no worries of looking over his shoulder to see if Hassan was going to come into the game. Yeah. Miami, Miami did right by everybody involved because Hassan is having a season to remember as a free agent pending as he always does for Portland. So uh-huh. he's obviously done enough to warrant getting paid again, which he will. I looked at him to get a ten to eleven million dollar deal next year, somewhere around that range. He won't get the twenty six or whatever it is he's currently expiring from. But um oh wow. Oh,
0: really? But they um they said like that's this little stat that I sent you. Bam! In year year one and two, his average was eight eight points a game, six and a half rebounds, and uh, one about two assists a game. Mm-hmm. And his this season because he wasn't getting much playing time. But now this season, with the playing time, for one, he became an all star. Two, his scoring went from he doubled his scoring. So now he's having sixteen points a game, ten and a half rebounds, and five five assists. So with that playing time that goes to show the people that were paying attention to who Bam was. They were right. It. They were right. Yeah, you got a
1: gym. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why I wanted to make sure I preface and, and, and said, you know, shout out to the Miami fans who were trying to put me on because they were clearly right. They were on to something that I hadn't been paying enough attention to to really be aware of how of how dramatic his impact could be on mm-hmm. a team if he got the full-time minutes. Because, again, I'm still – it's still a transition for us as, as guys who've been watching basketball this long to see guys who are lesser than the established expected height range for players really be out there flourishing like you know undersized guys always you expect them to have the effort but like no he can legitimately play he can legitimately uh-huh. play he's he he's he's a pretty damn good playmaker for a big I think he's top 10 in assists for bigs so credit goes to, to him for actually having all those tools and then when I read up about him all of the coaches that he had said those same things about him like he was out there doing guard drills when everybody else was working on you know the biking. so he was already diversifying his portfolio because he just had the hunger and curiosity to get better in multiple facets of his game and it obviously manifested he won the skills competition yeah so so he's definitely proven that his versatil- versatility is useful and and a viable part of what they do in Miami, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of guys like Jimmy Butler, and, and other players on the team to have a big who you can outlet it to, and they can bring the floor up, bring the ball up the floor, knowing that their guy probably can't guard them correctly. So sure. he, so he, you know, he's definitely, and I think that he'll inspire another wave. You know, there'll be more bigs trying to be guards, trying to be out of bio. And that won't necessarily be a bad thing, but there'll be a couple guys who won't be able to do it at the same level he's doing it. So we shall see. But as far as these, as, as far as this current season goes, like i kind of like taking my attention away from what's going on with Philadelphia currently, only because I know they're not healthy. I know they fought like warriors to lose a close game recently. So
0: yeah, but big up to um, Shake Milton, Uso yeah, former, for his former, um...
1: historic streak of 13 straight three pointers in. But it's not a span last... of a couple of games, right? And he did it over a three game uh, span.
0: I think, it, yeah, I don't want to show. I think it was three. It was a but, it's... it's a three game span. But he did this three at all. But the dude against the Clippers, and this was this was um the their last game. So you scored thirty nine, and he he was the reason why at one point
1: that the 76ers were k- and still in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean. He, and they didn't mistaken. lose the game. And they didn't lose the game, like, in a blood. I think it was, like, 136 to 130. Like, it was a close yeah, game. Yeah.
0: Like Oh, it was close the whole game. I watched most of it. And they would talk about this cat. They, he only missed six shots. So, he was 14 for
1: 20. And so, he
0: scored 39.
1: So, are we saying that Philadelphia may have a shooter?
0: Yo, the way he was going off. He was 7 for 9 from 3. and But I'm saying, but what, Phil, what this do, does do... Is it creates that confidence in a guy like that that he could step up and be a possible X factor, you know? Because sometimes the playoffs, is I mean, the NBA getting to this level, it's about maintaining your confidence, you Mm -hmm. know. So if you got a guy like that that is an unknown, that has a bunch of confidence now, is playing with that confidence and that freedom, that's dangerous to have because, but he because the sky's the limit, exactly. And then also if things aren't going right he's going to try to create something because he's been put in those situations and he's shown you that he can. So we'll see what happens, um, you know, as the games go by. But this, this could be a situation where it's a, you know, what, he's not, might not get 39 again, but he might get you 16, you know, and that might you... be
1: and that, and that's 16, a floor space. And it might be all you need. Philadelphia cannot afford to let another quality shooter escape their grasp, escape their roster. And if these injuries have allowed Brett Brown to see the type of players he needs to deploy, listen, there's nothing wrong with Tobias Harris and Al Horford being guys number six and seven on your roster. Because if that means that Embiid and Simmons get the floor space and they need to be dominant, then you definitely do it. There's nothing wrong with closing the game out with your best five players, but opening the game with the best five players who give you an opportunity to play good basketball. And I think that's what Philadelphia has got to figure out in short order. Who are the five guys we can put out there and play a level of basketball that makes us hard to guard? Because up until this point, they haven't really put that out there. It's just been, we're at home, we're going to get a ball to Joel 28 times and we only lost twice here. What y'all going to do about it? Or we're going to let Bill, Ben Simmons run wild on y'all while he at home and he got the home crowd energy, what y'all going to do about it? And then they go on the road and none of that energy travels with them and they have a really terrible road record. So if yeah. this is what it takes for them to be able to put two and two together to make four, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Because I don't want to see Embiid crying in the first round. I really do not want to see Listen, if
0: they if the playoffs started today, they would face Miami and they would be the fifth seed. So I can see them getting bounced out in the first round by Miami.
1: Yeah, because and you know that Jimmy Butler is not going to show them any mercy. Friendship, friendship, no friendship, whatever the case may be. He's a dog.
0: But not gonna... just that. They don't play good on the road. So now you got your the lower
1: the seed. So you're yeah, opening you... right, you're opening the season. You're opening the playoffs two games in Miami. Yeah. So you, and
0: the chance of you splitting that is going to be tough. Because you you are god awful on the road. So yeah. That I, you go, now you go down 0-2 with Miami's personnel and with Sposha's coaching, you ain't going back to Miami 2 2. You down
1: 3 1 at best. Mm. And, He's and then, getting one of those games. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. So And Butler would love to remind Philadelphia that they chose the wrong guy. Exactly. So you're putting a lot of spiteful energy out there to have to contend with if you're Philadelphia and you open up the season on the road. You're right. Yeah, you open up the playoffs on the road. Yeah, I mean, I, it's another season, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, of
0: course. But in the sad part about their situation that's currently going on in Philadelphia, you have Simmons and Embiid out for an undisclosed amount of time. Which they're saying it's possibly what a week to two weeks for each player before they can be uh, identified as okay, they'll be back at on this. Particular no, that's date. before
1: you that's before, yeah, before you can even determine a, a return date, you have to verify that you can even get to the nature of what caused them to be out. Yeah, it's tough, it's Some tough sense. for Philadelphia right now. It's tough for Philadelphia. Um, Boston recently had a close loss, right? Yeah. I remember who it was, too. They lost
0: to the Rockets by one point.
1: Yeah. That's the one that went
0: into overtime.
1: And now we have the Rockets giving that game back by way of losing to the The Knicks. Knicks. But, you know, one thing I noticed about the Rockets where I feel like they
0: might be in trouble... um, Now, granted, you played the Knicks, right? And, And maybe you didn't play your hardest. But the Knicks do have Mitchell Robinson, who's an active big man, you know, that can close out on shooters and still... And he's yeah. not going
1: to allow himself to be taken off the floor. Yeah, so
0: if, and he's when I know- going
1: to he's going to make himself available for lobs. He's going to swat any drive that comes to the basket. That means if Robert Covington got an open three, I'll leave him. But Westbrook, you're not getting a layup. I, and and that's and that's traditional big man energy. So, but, but what he was doing, he was
0: quick enough to close out on some of the shooters. But also when he stayed on his feet, he was able to close out. So where they didn't shoot, now they're going to try to drive. But now he's he's able to stay with them. In front of so, him. So exactly. so and so they was that was causing the Rockets some troubles. I mean, granted James Harden shot three for thirteen from the three point line, but you and you have, uh, when you have when you had when I noticed when they were had the Knicks were doing, and the sad part about they're not a good enough team to kept working that thing because. Uh, they were able to expose the fact that they didn't have a big man. I mean, and you got to think about it. The Knicks out-rebounded them uh, 50 or 60. The Knicks had 65 rebounds, 65 to 34 in the rebounded department. Yeah, the
1: Rockets have been getting rebounded all season with or without Clint Capella. So that number increasing to that big of a disparity, that doesn't really surprise me with the small ball situation. Again, what you pointed out is, is that if you have a big – that's agile enough to neutralize the five smalls, you can keep them out there.
0: But also what I was going to say is the Knicks got 20 offensive rebounds.
1: Of course. Because so, so if Mitchell Robinson or anybody, listen, I think the, the one player that the Rockets had taller than anybody that the Knicks start is somebody's taller than Alfred Payton. <laughs> and then once you get beyond that, what are the Knicks? 66 65 six, 68 yeah. 69. Yep. Todd Gibson is 6'10. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson is legit 7 foot plus. Uh Julius Randle is what 6'9? 6'8 and a half, 6'9. Yeah. 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 So and, and um RJ Barrett is 6'8, six, 6'7. Six, uh-huh. So yeah, you you really Oh, and congratulations to the Knicks. We'll, we'll go ahead and use these last seven mo- minutes to dedicate them to the Knicks show. The Knicks just named Leon president officially, I mean Leon Rose officially president of the Knicks. Um, mm-hmm. he's got extensive experience. I believe that his agency was the, CA, was the CAA agency. Former clients include people like Carmelo Anthony, LeBron. LeBron was once a client before, you know, he parted his ways and started the whole Rich Paul thing that he's got yeah. going. Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. So what we do know is that Leon Rose does have experience managing. Elite-level basketball talent. Here's my issue with Leon Rose and the Knicks. One, I don't feel like the Knicks, as a franchise, have a definitive game plan for how they're going to move forward as far as what they're going to do, as far as just logistically. We don't know if we want to rebuild or if we want to blow it up and try to build a playoff team in six months. I don't know what the mind frame is. I don't know what the Dolan mandate is. Let's just call it that, the Dolan mandate. Mm. Because anybody he hires gets pitched to Dolan what they think they can do, and then they get told by Dolan what he wants them to do. And if they say they can do it, they get hired. Pretty much. That's pretty much what it boils down to. So I don't know what the Dolan mandate is. I think it's pretty clear what we know Dolan cares about most which is the fact that under his under his ownership the Knicks are the most valuable franchise in all the sports. Mhm. 3 billion? You show me? No, 4 4 almost 5. 4, four almost 5 billion dollar franchise. So I think the first imperative is going to be to put a product out there that's going to continue to allow him to see a return on his investment. The one last investment he truly has. Because so much of the the Dolan Empire has been sold off, Cablevision got sold off years ago. Um, I think they still hold Madison Square Garden. They're in a big time lawsuit situation with Steve Ballmer out in L.A. Are you aware of that? Did yeah, you know they, that? Did you they, know that James Dolan owns the Great Western Forum?
0: Yeah yeah, 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 big time. But that's what they're trying to do. Ballmer is right now. They're saying that he's uh, the, the talks have reopened, but then him trying to buy the forum because he wants out the the Clippers
1: to, to leave the Staples Center. Correct. The Staples Center lease expires, I believe, 2023 for the Clippers. So they have an option to opt out if they have a better situation and not renew the lease. When your owner is arguably one of the richest men in the world, which is what Ballmer is, I can't blame him for wanting to centralize everything about the team that he now owns into all team-owned facilities. So he wants them to have their own practice place. He doesn't want them to be the third tenant in the Staples Center because technically, as far as he's concerned, their scheduling priority gets bumped around what the Lakers are doing and also the LA Kings, the yeah, hockey team. So, exactly. when, So guys that are already getting preference on a building that you also pay to to, to use and sublet your profits to. Yeah. You, you want more control over that, 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 that incoming profit. It's understandable. Golden State did the same thing. They didn't have a situation that they liked at Oracle, so they went and built the Chase Center. Mm. It's, it's, it's a part of how big business in, in franchise sports works. I get it. I think that um, because the form is basically unused real estate, I don't know what Dolan is trying to do. I'd sell a building. The I, think
0: I think he's just trying to hold on to as much money he can get out of something.
1: Right. I, so you hold on to the forum until they buy it from you just so that he could blow it up and build something new because that's what's going to happen. Exactly. You're yeah, not yeah. going to move the Los Angeles Clippers into the house that Magic and, and Dr. Buss built. You're not going to do that. You're not going to reopen the forum and just call it the home of the Clippers. That would be silly. I don't think that they're anybody in, in L.A. who would be like, yo, you gonna go to the Forum and watch the Lake the Clippers play? The, the Clippers play at the Forum now? Uh-huh. Nah, y'all gotta call it something else. Call it the barbershop or something.
0: Uh-huh. Nah, he, he, mean?
1: He, he, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure with that type of money that he's got... He's he gonna got rebrand to... everything, and besides the fact uh-huh. that the, the Forum was only like an 18,000-seat arena, if you own an 18,000-seat sports arena in Los Angeles, you're asking to lose money in the first place. If you're trying to house Major League Sports in in... In, in Los Angeles, you need a 20,000-seat stadium. You need it. You need it. That's just more money opportunity right there. You could say, oh, I could charge more for the tickets. They're still the Clippers. So you have to be able to service those fans who you can get fickle that are going to wait on NBA.com for reseller tickets and then show up when they can get to go to a Clippers game for $30 when nobody's paying attention. You need those fans. They, they, they all contribute to your bottom line. So the more seats you have available, the more opportunities you have for paying customers. So I'm pretty sure whatever winds up playing out with that whole situation in L.A. is going to lead to either them tearing down the form or remodeling it so that more seats can be made. The fact that James Dolan is involved is just absolutely incredibly ironic to me because here he is. He's given New York nothing but heartache. And now he's given Clippers fans a reason to hate him. <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before Adam Silver have to have another sit-down with him. Like, look, bro, it's bad enough. We gotta deal with the basketball product y'all not putting out. Now you're gonna take a team that that's moving into marquee status and make life difficult for them. You gotta relax, bro. You gotta relax. So these are the times where I think Adam Silver and his commissionership are gonna get tested because it's not gonna be something that we read about. It's just gonna be the temperature changed and all of a sudden people were able to find amicable sediment, blah, 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 blah. But that to me is going to mean that Adam Silver made a couple phone calls. I had a couple sit downs and, you know, greased the wheel so that everybody could be happy and go their separate ways. Cause I definitely think that's something that needs to, to happen for Los Angeles. I mean, if you look at the tail end of when all that's slated to happen, Kawhi Leonard is on the books for the next two years, I think, or three. Mm-hmm. And so is Paul George. So, their free agent season in their mid 30s, they're going to be on the verge of moving into a new building or trying to get into a new facility. You mm. definitely want that excitement to be towards something that you own. If the Clippers are compelled to re up that lease, this is going to be hell to pay, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Clippers- For
0: sure, Barma's going to figure something out. They either have to get that foreign property or put them somewhere else by the time it's time to get out of the LA out of state center.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Back to the Knicks as we prepare to wrap it up. What do you think the benefits are of adding somebody like Leon Rose to the front office are going to be? Uh, okay. do, you think, do you think his history with players is going to make make for free agents to reconsider coming to New York? Do you uh, think there's a guy that you can put out in front of Madison Square Garden who changes how players feel about playing in?
0: That part is... that. I mean, that's why they're doing the damage control. That's why they hired Steve Stout. They're getting Leon Rose. Rumor is worldwide. Wide West is, is a part of that deal. Um, they're going to try to break into, bring in a coach, I'm assuming, at the end of... I mean, at the start of next... At the end of the season. So, so by I just the time we know... roll into
1: the new season, they should have a new coach. It won't be yeah. Mike Miller anymore.
0: No. Okay.
1: But I don't see...
0: I mean, so... You know, yeah, Bob Myers and Rob Palenka, that might work, but I don't know. Hopefully, if hopefully this works for Leon Rose, I just don't see it. I really don't, man. Because as Knicks fans, we always get in the short end of the stick. Here's always. my thing.
1: Here's my thing. Um, we point to Bob Myers being best case scenario GM to from, I mean, best case scenario agent to GM. He was a runner. He wasn't the face of any agency. He worked under Arn Tellum. So he basically was the guy who went and said, Arn, we need to sign this guy. He's going to be a star. So he already had been trained to go out and look for talent, evaluate talent, project talent. Mm-hmm. Palinka was Kobe's agent. Yeah. He didn't really have to do that much hard work when Kobe's your number one client. Now, did he have other clients? Yes. Was he also a member of the Fab Five? Yes. He was connected in inner circles of basketball that allowed him access to players. But his ability to actually evaluate talent, we clearly see that he's not a talent evaluator. He's a talent acquirer because that's what he's done since he's been in L.A. Oh, we need Anthony Davis. Well, which one of these spare part draft picks that the other guy picked that I picked with magic? Can we unload to get him? How many draft picks you need with them? I don't really think that that's I don't want to say it's not true general managing because it is, but it's not internal development general managing, which is what I believe Bob Myers brought to Golden State. They or, didn't make too many crazy free agent acquisitions. They got Eagle Dollar uh-huh. and then they, they pretty much stood pat. They went and got plug and parcel players that, you know, could fit in with what Kerr needed or who were already there and just re-upped them.
0: But and that's the, that's the also the the misleading part about the whole situation. Steph Curry was under Don Nelson, so it wasn't Bob Myers who drafted Steph Curry. And I think the same thing with Clay Thompson, I think it was um Don Nelson. I don't think Bob Myers was part of that. So wait, you're we, saying Don Nelson drafted Steph Curry? Yeah, Don Nelson drafted Steph Curry, but what Bob Myers wasn't there yet. So, with, the, with, the, with that being said, when we don't know for sure what Bob Myers can do because those players are already in position. You've just kept the machine oiled. It was already running.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Steph Curry did get drafted by Don Nelson. And I think Steph and Clay were in the same draft, weren't they?
0: No, 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 They were... Uh, a draft of Deer they were two years apart, I believe. Um, but yeah, so but but again, if that's the case, you figure Bob Myers came in. Um, hmm. She saw when he come into the. Uh, he came in, well, in two thousand fifteen. Oh, no. I'm sorry. He was an agent for a while. Um, what's what it says? Yeah, he was – in 2011, he was hired as the assistant general manager. Um, but he wasn't, obviously, the general manager yet. Um, but still, Steph- Okay,
1: so 2012, he drafted Harrison Barnes. He definitely did not draft um, – Steph Clay. He didn't draft Steph Clay. granted. So he, he assembled Harrison Barnes, Azili. Draymond Green, we'll give him whatever credit you want to give somebody for drafting C- Draymond, Draymond, Draymond Green. Um, Draymond Green definitely outplayed his draft position, so I don't want to take anything away from him. I'm just not a big proponent of all the accolades that he gets. I do see that, you know, blue guys have ascended in value, but I just, again, he's an undersized, powerful, can't shoot. So, yeah, yeah so outside of outside – So Clay of- was 2011. But yeah, I don't so, think that was still his, I don't think. he. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Bob Myers. That was, that was someone else. Lovie, so, yeah, Larry Rowley. Yeah. So, point being, even that takes even more luster out of the best case scenario, former, former um, agent to GM. So, now, uh-huh. you're not even the guy who's responsible for drafting cornerstones. A guy who everybody said was the grumpy old man in the NBA who always wanted to do things different for no reason. Is responsible for drafting the greatest shooting back court in NBA history or partially. Mm-hmm. So, Bob Myers did go out and assemble the meal, but he didn't pick all the ingredients, and that's fine. But let's go, let's move on to another GM. Like I said, Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka was there when they drafted, um, I think he was there for, for all of the young Lions. He drafted Alonzo Ball, he drafted Kyle Kuzma, he drafted Ingram. Wait, Rob Pelinka or Magic did? They did it together.
0: Okay, okay, well, okay, okay. But so, I mean, uh, he wasn't the he wasn't the name that said, "Oh, Rob drafted these guys." That's all. Nah, trying, because okay. Magic
1: was always willing to go out and be at the first, the press conference. Remember when yes, when, yeah. when they introduced Lonzo Ball, Magic went out and gave the ultimate salesman pitch, like this guy reminds me of me. That's what he said, to Lonzo Ball. Oh, we all looked at him like yeah, he yeah. was crazy, like bro, Magic relax. Careful. We know you got them super anti-HIV drugs in your blood, but that don't mean you got to talk like this. Relax. Relax. I see. You know? I'm, and I'm a Lakers fan, and I'm telling you when he was saying stuff like that, I would be like, yo, bro, come on, man. There's a certain level of sports where honesty is the best policy. He's a really good kid. I think he's going to turn out to be a franchise point guard. That would have been fair. Could have stopped right there. But you put that uh-huh. expectation that he remind me of me. And then proceed to sell it. Out. To who? You don't need to sell that? It's the Lakers. That's the, thing that, that, that's the thing that puzzles me. There are certain franchises where I understand you have to oversell because you need more season ticket buys. The Lakers is an automatic ticket punch. Listen, the Knicks sell out Madison Square Garden and season ticket buys every year. Do the mm-hmm. fans wind up showing up after the year goes bad? they tend to make the seats more available because a lot of those season ticket holders don't show up and they go on the resale market. Granted, but the Knicks sell. There are just certain franchises where it's going to happen for them. Lakers, Knicks, now the Warriors currently because of the, the state of their franchise. Even Chicago, who's not having the greatest, the greatest run with their players and their franchise right now. They're still selling out. There are franchises that are basketball cities. The team is not going to bet. Utah. You get what I'm saying? Those teams Uh are are going to always fill a healthy home crowd. Oklahoma City. Those teams are going to fill a healthy home crowd. Now, is it going to be the biggest crowd? Maybe not necessarily in some of these smaller markets, but if you know your season ticket base is there, you don't have to up oversell them. And I think that if you get drafted to play for the Lakers, you've already got enough. You already got enough a big big enough target on your head that somebody like Magic Johnson don't need to put that on your head to make it even tougher for you. Uh But Again, this all traces back to them hiring and deciding to go with Leon Rose, who is familiar with, you know, player movement, player empowerment, talking to players, understanding what their wants and needs are, how to make them comfortable. I do believe that he'll be able to confidently speak to players and put them in a position to succeed, but will he be able to get the right combination is what I'm concerned for. What is the basketball mentality? Who are the assets that the New York Knicks are going to be inclined to keep are we looking at a situation where we're waiting for the first big name guy to say hey i want to come play for the knicks so that y'all could trade three of the young lions away just to get them like the lakers did anthony davis is that is that what y'all are hoping to emulate build up mm-hmm. enough equity in the young guys so that you can flip them for one big player i don't know
0: yeah because the knicks have what seven draft picks within the next three years because so i i really don't know like i said this, I, I'm as a Knicks fan, I'm hoping this Leon Rose thing is in a good okay. thing. I mean, he's already said that he wanted to be behind the scenes. They didn't even disclose the terms of his deal. So, um,
1: we'll Which see. Which they what never I'm do. This. Here's, I mean, here's, one, here's one, my Phil question Jack- to you.
0: One, Phil Jackson,
1: you oh, yeah. Up, he, because Phil Jackson don't allow anybody to not report his money.
0: You're
1: going yeah. to know he's the $60 million man, whether you like to or not. He would have farted and got that out. One way or another, you were going to hear five years, $60 million. But anyway, long story short, back to um, what we're discussing with Leon Rose. Here's my thing. It's 2020. What year do you feel like the Knicks should have a playoff quality roster by for you to feel like his acquisition makes sense? Without thinking about who he has to go get, what time frame, what window do you give him to push the Knicks from where they currently are, which is one of the five worst teams record-wise in the league, to... Regularly contending for a playoff spot, not even contending for a championship, contending for a playoff spot. How much of a time frame do you believe Leon Leon Rose deserves? Uh,
0: two to three years.
1: So you are saying that as of right now, in 2020, if Leon Rose produces two more seasons of futility, but by 2023, the 22-23 season or whatever the case may be, that if the Knicks are playoff bound. It'll all be worth it.
0: I think so because you got to figure the Knicks in the last seven years haven't made the playoffs.
1: Agreed. Listen, I'm just trying to get your perspective as a Knicks fan as to Mm -hmm. what you consider to be tolerable. I'm gauging the temperature for what New Yorkers and New York Knicks fans are really willing to accept because y'all have been on record saying y'all are okay with rebuilding. Rebuilding is fine. It's been said for the past three
0: years. Yeah, I think rebuilding makes sense when you're rebuilding the right way, when you're grabbing the draft picks and you're building these draft guys up. Obviously, everybody was upset about the Porzingis move because you see the gaping hole of not having
1: a, a bona fide all-star. You, you know? lost 10 wins. You lost 10 wins losing Porzingis. 10 wins. That's big. 10 wins. In a team that wasn't going to the playoffs. So with Porzingis, you win 33 games. Now without him, you're going place to win what? 23?
0: But again, that 33 wins the way this,
1: the way the, uh bottom half of the, the eighth seed is, you might be able to sneak in there. That granted So you Brooks. sneak in, so you sneak into the playoffs to not get a lottery pick to get escorted out of the playoffs in no, four games like Orlando?
0: But but less but listen, the Knicks not making the playoffs. Making the playoffs is a big step. The, but the, also, you got to remember this: by Pazinga staying, you never know how the free agent market goes. Obviously, I don't think you still would have got the top tier people, but you maybe didn't have been able to get some other shooters or other players. Plus, you wouldn't have made to get fifteen power forwards. Agreed. You never had to do.
1: That. Agreed, I mean, agreed. There's a domino effect to all the decisions that the, that the Knicks have made. So- I just don't feel, and having lived here and watched them since, you know, the end of the last playoff era with Stoudemire and Carmelo, that the Knicks have ever given themselves a true opportunity to build around their best players and actually generate, Uh once Melo was out of the picture, a full-fledged roster of guys that you could say, hey, one through 10, I know what these guys should be bringing to the table and they should be helping us get to the playoffs." Now, as they currently sit with the talent that they have, a lot of which I do like, some of which you don't like, Uh I think there are certain guys that you have to invest in and then allow all the other moving parts to go their separate ways. You've got Uh to get Bobby Portis off the roster. You've got to get him off the roster. He serves no benefit, and he's an asset that could be flipped on on a team that's looking for a a big that could score off the bench. So you guys holding on to him as long as you did didn't make any sense to me. I definitely felt like that was a punch that should have been made. Yeah, I made the punch on, on, on the Morris brother. I thought that that was, that was, I mean, I don't know what y'all actually got for him, but it made sense to, to, to get to move out of the way.
0: They got Mo Harkless in the second round pick, I think.
1: Okay. So, y'all got a guy who's not coming back and Mo Harkless, who's from New York, and a pick. Cool. Pick is good. Uh, after paying for a guy that you really only had for an extended one year deal, I can't be mad with you getting a pick out of it because technically only getting Mo Harkless would have been fair trade. You traded a power forward for a small forward power forward. That would have been equity. Cool. You gotta move off of um, one of your guards has to get moved. I don't know yeah. which one. I don't yeah, know which one is gonna be. Gotta go.
0: Okay, so he's not even in a rotation, and when he is, he still can't. He just still looks like he doesn't resemble.
1: He still looks look like he's he's um, going back. It look like it look like he got fat. I wanted to speak on that. It look like he gained weight, but uh, anyway. I haven't seen him do anything highlight real worthy, which is what I used to tune into him for. So uh-huh. I don't know if he's still. But that's what I'm
0: saying. I think he went backwards.
1: And that's possible in New York. It's possible. I mean, ha- have you seen R.J. Barrett actually make any statistical or player growth? It just came out two weeks ago that R.J. Barrett is actually right handed, which is crazy. And he out said, his own mouth. Yeah. By when the I way, it. I'm a better shooter right handed, but I just feel comfortable shooting it away that I'm not good at. Crazy. You, I thought RJ was shut, media ready for New York. Shut his mic off. Please. Cut it all yeah, the way off.
0: But you know what? When you're losing like this, you, you become delusional.
1: Okay. So again, the Knicks have to move off of one of their young guards. You vote for Dennis Smith Jr. Um, I don't know if you keep a Alfred Payton around considering that he might be more valuable to a team other than you in the short term. The kid can run an offense. Mm-hmm. He can downright run an offense. So, honestly, the trade-off between him and where he used to play in New Orleans, Alonzo Ball, it really isn't that much different. Alonzo is just taking more threes, but as far as being able to put the ball where it needs to be and getting guys in position to score, he's as equally good as any other young point guard that you have out there. And I don't even know if you can call him young anymore. He was in his fourth, fifth year. Hmm. Okay. So you have to move off of one of those guards. I'm high on Frank because of his versatility and height. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that now he's getting playing time he has his moments where he's starting to show it so I think that you keep Frank um, I don't know what you do with Trier I like him but you might be able to shine him up and flip him for an asset so maybe you, you move off Trier I think you also probably with what you're doing with RJ Barry you might have to let Kevin Knox go
0: that's what I was saying and I like Kevin Knox yeah but he he's, he's going backwards
1: Again, me evaluating their progress with, while they're wearing the New York Knicks uniform is not fair to them. I don't think it's fair to any player to evaluate their progress in the New York Knicks system knowing that the New York Knicks are jabberwocky from the top down. How do you expect players to perform at their best when they're not even being managed by something close to the best? When you had a good coach, they were regressing. And that was with the brother that they let go. Now you have a replacement coach and they're leveling off, kind of playing close to 500 ball, but you're still not seeing any progress from the players. So uh-huh. that, again, reflects on where they're getting their instructions from. Yeah. Because players do improve over the course of a season. It happens. It, it Jason, Tatum, Jason Tatum is a perfect example. Jason Tatum is having a great season, but he didn't start off great. It's just become great over the course of the season. And once he got named an All-Star... But also to All-Star, he, got, he got the... Oh, to, to become greater. Right, he got the reps in all in the same season because he wasn't getting those same reps last year. He got the reps back this year, got comfortable with those reps this year, and ascended this year. Mm -hmm. Now, can you expect a rookie like R.J. Barrett to ascend in a rookie season? No, rookies tend to get to show off what they're good at, and coaches get to tend to start adding things to their development. Like, nobody's forcing or expecting Zion to shoot jump shots. The guy's averaging 20-plus a game without doing anything other than what he's been doing since he was on YouTube. Literally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally the same exact guy he was on YouTube in the NBA. And now all these players who are not used to dealing with somebody that small, that strong, are getting made to look like baby food. As his career progresses, year two is going to be important. Now, mm-hmm. does he have moves? Because he's getting exposed when they trap him. So now he's got to learn counter moves and now he's got to learn other ways to be just as effective as he already is because people are starting to take away some of his tendencies, even with the short amount of time, he's only played what 15, 16 games total, but teams have already effectively started to scout and shift their defensive mindset to take away the things that they know he's easily good at. The Knicks don't have anybody in position. That's even pushing these guys upward. The things that Kevin Knox were good at that he were good at in college. He's still good at now. But like you said, he's not going to get the reps when he's got it. He can't play small and get to play with, play with Randall uh-huh. Because when you got Randall on the court, you usually got Taj Gibson and, um, and um, Tallman, Mitchell. Mr. Robinson, court. yeah. So now, when one of, those, one of those three forwards come out of the game, then you slide Knox in. And Knox is 6'8", 6'9", which means he could play small ball four and a big three. Uh-huh. And again, I said this 20 games ago. The Knicks post-All-Star game need to trot out their young players and let them figure it out. This disgusting attempt at winning games is counterproductive. And I think that if the Knicks have any sense left with the remainder of the season, you, you, you punt. You stick your young guys out there. And you give them an opportunity to, 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 to swim or drown. And you don't worry about the veterans. The veterans know what it is. They've been in this situation before. Maybe you let Randolph play. I mean, Randall play because Randall is your money guy. You're invested in him for another year. You let him be the leader. But you need to stick those young guys out there and, and again, sink or swim. So that you go into the offseason, Leon Rose, with a clear understanding of what players are dogs and what players are just here. Pretty much. but on that note we're going to bring episode 61 to a close as always we appreciate all the support, subscribers, comments feedback if you would like to join that movement you could do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms where we are hosted, you can also leave us a message directly via gmail at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com you can tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Facebook and Instagram and on that note we we'll say peace peace <laughs>
0: Gorgie out of the corner. Yes, sir. Be <laughs>
1: hard to guard. Dinwiddie kicks it out. Prince gets into the paint. And it rattles in, and we're tied. That's two of
0: them. Well, you're going to have to, he's going to try to see can he get Aaron home.